Welcome, one and all, to your Falcon and the Winter Soldier podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Want to see what someone can do with leverage? The Falcon and the Winter Soldier podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode four, The Whole World is Watching, is brought to you by Turkish Delight, irresistible, even to a TT. Pete must mention the landmark cinematic achievement that came out in the last week. I, of course, refer to the Zemo cut. First, Pete, it was a half hour, pardon me, uh, a half a minute of uh, of Baron Zemo dan- dan- dancing. Uh, then they've done a one-hour version. Pete, it's got wall-to-wall music. Uh, it is in a 4-3 uh, ratio, at least the one that was on social media. Uh, and Is it black and white yet? Can I uh, watch it in black and white yet? Pete, as, uh, as the director herself intended, it is full neon color, uh, and it is what a glorious age we live in uh, that we can get the Zemo cut. I like the Agatha all along cut of it that he's dancing to that i've since also seen the star wars cantina music cut into it um this is going to be the thing that gives back to itself until whatever uh craziness and memes uh loki brings us (laughs) beat we oftentimes return back to this notion of you know weekly episodes versus drop them all at once you don't get a zemo cut moment you know for as long as it's gonna last which is it was a cool thing for you know a couple days afterwards then now there's the twitter account that puts it to music and now they're D- disney has released more like you know by the end of this weekend the, the zemo cut will have been a moment that had its moment and will be gone but you wouldn't get that if all six episodes dropped at once because we all would be like oh man i can't believe the bloody shield in episode four and how about the surprise cameo in five and how about the way the season ended in six and all that it this is this just speaks to the fun that you can have using the weekly model and self-awareness too and i think that's important in an episode that examines self-awareness now, Pete, speaking of this six-episode run of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, at the end of this month, uh, at a certain level, we run out of things to podcast. So we have a poll that's available to all, patrons and uh, non-patrons alike, uh, on our Patreon page. going to put a link in the podcast description. Uh, we would love to hear listener pitches as to what we should cover for essentially the month of May. You know, it might bleed into start whatever the thing is please don't say bleed right now uh that is true it might it might uh, merge with our falcon wrap it might merge with that first weekend in june as we do a final preview for loki so looking at you know what can we do for a four to six week period i'll just repeat pete four to six week Uh, a couple people had pitched things that maybe were that would be impossible for example um rewatch all of agents of shield it would be difficult i mean if we did if we watched and podcasted two to three episodes a day we could do that but in six weeks you know short of a daily podcast of that sort that you know so whatever it is that might fit four to six weeks uh we'd love to hear your ideas there on the patreon page 
guest, let us know, and uh, everything will be considered. And you know, can we do a couple things? Certainly. I mean, what what can we do for you is always something we're pondering here around Fantastic Geek headquarters. And again, having this little space that we thought previously would be filled up. So uh, yes, please let us know. Meanwhile, in one of the other uh, film and TV universes, uh, we have over on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, which of course gets everything that we do. I know we got some feedback. I wish there was just one place where everything is. And, and Pete, I'm not making that up to newer listeners, you know, or older listeners who were like, okay, you mentioned the Pop Culture Podcast every so often. We legit got feedback. I wish you guys had one feed, not many, many. We do. It's the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Yes. Um, so on there. It's the Fantastic Geek logo. Boom, right across the top. So if you want all uh, 21 currently feeds that we do, if you subscribe to that one, you're going to get it all. If you want the individual property properties shows, you subscribe to that one. I mean, subscribe to them all, you know, subscribe to none your choice but yeah we we do have one dedicated that catches everything that we do and of course the latest on the pop culture podcast feed along uh with our star trek feeds is a discussion about the star trek first contact day that happened uh last week and uh pete of a favorable outing yes it was an opportunity for them to mention the streaming service quite a bit but it was it was a good time i think that it kind of for me for you for many people it kind of relit that star trek spark in this the fallow period until there's new star trek uh returning to tvs in august we got some big news confirmed on star trek picard for season two we got a date for Star Trek Lower Decks, we got a commitment of 2021 and a trailer for season four of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, a little bit of news there about Star Trek Prodigy. But Matt, I hear a drop coming up. Altitude, 25,000 feet. Distant drum beats reverberate from the city through the night sky to the jungle of Wakanda, where six years ago, 2018, James Buchanan Barnes sits beside a fire and is told it is time by Io, who won't let him hurt anyone. She begins to speak the Russian winter soldier code words, and Bucky stares into the fire, tells her it's not going to work. He sees flashes of the horror he's lived and contributed to until a tear rolls down his cheek as she finishes the sequence and tells him he is free. Then he smiles. Pete, as someone said at a Marvel panel many years ago, Emmy worthy. We go back to the present day where Io is not a happy camper, you know, with Zemo having been freed. She, and indeed Wakanda, took the time to take away the Winter Soldier programming, uh, and their loss and shame is obvious with that guilty Zemo freed. Bucky says that Zemo is a means to an end, and TikTok story clock, the White Wolf is given eight hours to get his business in order before uh, the implication being that uh, Io is coming for Zemo. We get the title card, 
And the story takes us to Zemo's stately penthouse, where the Z-Man is post-shower and grateful for being defended. Meanwhile, the, the news update, Carly bombed a GRC depot last time, and it's all over the news. Uh, Pete, no news on the return of the Winter Soldier, so maybe that's more of like a like a Reddit one of your one of your trans, <laughs> you know, your fortune. I'm, I'm not quite sure how where 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 the dark web starts and the Reddit web begins and whatnot, but that's probably where they're talking about the Winter Soldier's return. Uh, there's one radar that that matters on, and that's Doctor Raynor's radar, and uh, he's going to be on it. So though we don't have it, she's already received it, okay? She's put on her metaphorical metal arm, and she's coming to choke him out. Zemo, who quickly is becoming, and I think largely in this episode, is the anti-hero, talks about Carly being a supremacist. Uh, that supremacist thinking that led to the Nazis, to super soldiers, indeed to the Avengers... Uh, the desire to be superhuman puts one on the path of escalation. It is pointed out to him that Steve Rogers is an exception to that. Uh, but he says there's never been another. Uh, indeed, while the camera does quickly show Sam here, um, let's not forget where we think this season is going to end up. Uh, but Bucky ponders giving him Zemo now. Uh, Zemo, however, is his tour guide. Uh, Pete, we get the delightful reference here to uh, Sam's TT, which the closed captioning spells capital T, capital T. I think it's supposed to be T-I-T-I, you know, the Spanish familiar for ant. Um, but hey, what do I know, Pete? Do you have any Turkish delight? <laughs> we get the media reports about the bombing here as we transition to the Flag Smashers. Uh, the GRC depot, one of the workers killed was a father of two and is pushed in now on this patch act legislation that's going to seek to restore traditional border regulations and fast track the return to normalcy. That phrase was kind of jarring return to normalcy in the real world here. Uh, this act not the Patch Act, but the Flag Smashers bombing has also brought followers to their cause and their reach is growing along with the danger. Uh, we go back to Zemo uh, with the uh, shame that he feels for what uh, Riga has become when he was young. He used to go there fabulous dinners parties he knew nothing of politics but remembers it being beautiful and there's a grc poster right on the wall there sam heads upstairs to see what he can do uh bucky is to guard zemo in the courtyard here and commit a massive story foul in a couple moments matt we're gonna have to rule on a yardage penalty oh uh oh um while Sam is in the building, uh, no one will talk to him. Uh, he sees Flag Smasher, uh, Marks, Hither and Yon. Um, it, it's a very, very effective scene. Like, clearly they're in some old building. Undoubtedly they're filming in Prague and so forth. Just the way the space feels old and then repurposed for, you know, whatever 
learning is going on there. We have a you know reference to teachers in a little bit. There was some sewing machines and whatnot, but just this kind of not hall of mirrors, but this just this kind of this large building with all these doors where all of a sudden kids can just scatter. Bump bump doors are closed. Bump bump doors are closed. It's just a great great use of again, but I'm assuming is this authentic space. Um, we see that the they're avoiding false tension too of they're going away. Who's coming in? Yes, yes. Uh, we see that Bucky is avoided as well. Um, finally, one man is willing to talk to Sam slash kind of cornered nicely by Sam. Uh, Sam is told that these are not refugees because they don't seek refuge. They're internationally displaced persons. Uh, still, they're not trusting the authorities here. The GRC promised more supplies and teachers. That was six months ago. Um, Sam does offer to try and help, but not even Sam is to be trusted. Um, then Pete, I will guess that this is the, perhaps the story foul portion. I don't know. Zemo wandering around singing a nursery rhyme while he wears a black jacket, takes out a bag of candy. He's literally a stranger with candy drawing the children in. Uh, is this your concern? That's not the story foul. It's that he's allowed to do this by Bucky who will stand way over there. Psst. By the way, kids, I'm giving candy, okay? You cannot tell those two men over there what you just told me. Now, yes, he does tell them in the following scene what had happened. Hey, the memorial is today. But as if this would ever happen, that... He would be allowed to go alone and talk to these children with candy and have something whispered in his ear by a girl and then believed that he didn't have anything. Matt, I, I need a yardage call, okay? Do we subtract distance from the goal that Bucky was away from Zemo? What, what do we do? How do we rule here? Pete, I'm... I'm inclined to decline the foul, and I'll tell wow. you why. Bucky knows that there are different tools in this world of kind of espionage, etc. I know that what they're doing isn't exactly James Bond stuff, nor is it assassin stuff, but Bucky knows there are different tools to get the job done. And I think of Zemo kind of like, you know, Zemo is Jaws that has the one harpoon in him, and... Uh, either the sh either the boat's going to pull the shark back up or the shark is going to pull the boat back down. Bottom line is distance needs to be given to Zemo for Zemo to do, to use his tools. And I think Bucky, you know, Bucky's not happy that they're working with Zemo, but Bucky also knows like, you know, this is the hammer and this is the knife and you use, you know, use one for one job and one for the other. And, I think Bucky has the patience just as in a couple scenes from now where, oh no, Captain America is getting beat up. You know, like Bucky knows when to stand back and say, I'm just going to let the dust clear and let the job get done. Now I will grant you, is it more reasonable that Bucky would say, all right, what info did you get from her? No game, Zemo. I'm going to push you up against the wall. Like maybe that, that dust up should have occurred um, after the, the whispery bits. But I think that, I give Bucky the latitude to say Zemo's doing Zemo's using his toolkit and it's not a toolkit that Bucky has so let it happen and worse comes to worse what uh, Zemo you didn't give us the info in time here's the Dora Milaje goodbye 
I mean that Bucky says, what the hell is he doing as he's going over? Like, go over there, too. <laughs> then how about this, Pete? Let's let's move it from American football to international football. Can we give Zemo the yellow card? Can we give the story, not Zemo, can we give the story, maybe not story foul in terms of red ejection, red punishment. Can we give the yellow to say, no more monkey business for the rest of the episode? They, they resolve it in the in the next scene. But as I'm watching, I'm like, why would you ever let him do that? Um, I mean, look, they lose him twice in the episode. They're lucky enough to get him back because he wants to be gotten back and needs Sam and Bucky. And then later the El Chapo bit. And now he's in the wind until he wants to show up. So I, I think the results speak for themselves and then there's the theory, Matt, is he orchestrating all of this? Uh, I think it's, look, he was introduced by a chessboard, I think, uh, you know, back in two episodes ago. Um, I know the chessboard then turned up not with him, it was with the two guys that fought in the prison and whatnot, but I think... I mean, look, Pete, I know I mentioned it a lot, uh, a lot, but it's because Marvel uses it a lot. The turn in the second half, where the person you could trust in the first half, you can't in the second half. Um, do they need to stick to that trope? No. Does it show up all the time? Yeah. Could Zemo, the bad guy who, the twist is, he's actually kind of cool this time? Um, the twist is, no, he's actually the power broker and orchestrated his own exit from the prison aided by an avenger and so on and so forth you know we, we could be headed there but story-wise we're also headed to zemo's pad uh where they reflect on carly fighting for donia uh we get some i think very welcome context here and Pete, it, this context comes from sam who is going to speak from the wisdom of having been around for the five years oh wait he wasn't but maybe this is a second story foul i don't know but bottom line is sam explains to everybody, including all of you, dink, dink, at home. For five years, borders were open. The entire world came together. I do love, Pete, the really small line, but it's one that really makes sense. With populations having been decimated, part of the reason the borders were open was, hey, you're good at XYZ, and you're from another country. Come on over and help run the nuclear plant. You know how to run a, 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 a concrete mixer to help rebuild, you know, whatever it is. Talent was appreciated. Desire to move was a was a bonus. Uh, resources were happily shared, and then of course, boom! Everyone came back, and the walls have gone back up as well. Um, here, Pete is when Zemo he's bringing cherry blossom tea, named later, uh, says that the funeral will be this afternoon. Any further info? Uh, no thanks. Zemo is going to keep his uh, leverage. This enrages Bucky. Uh, there's a bit of a stare down uh, as Sam steps away to make a call. Yes, it's uh, from Madripoor here where Sharon feels a favor coming on um, the camp being found here. They've got Zemo, but he's holding the information hostage. Uh, he could use Sam could a trustworthy set of eyes on the camp. And she may or may not have access to a satellite or two because she might be the power broker uh, who he you know, power broker also uh, got really upset when he heard about Nagel uh, and he wants his serum back. Uh, killed the golden goose they have. Well, Zemo did. 
Uh, now, now and... Pete, if you could just refresh my memory of something here. Sam is reiterating to Sharon the mission of what? To find whom? To find um, the camp. That, that Carly is at? Yes. And now isn't... Who else is looking for well, Carly? No, to isn't... Keep, and to keep eyes on it just in case Walker or anybody else. My point being... There's a bit of a of a reiteration here, you know, amidst other drama. The mission is to find Carly. Hey, Sharon, can you help us find Carly? Later, we're reminded the power broker is trying to find Carly. So I just wanted to point that out. If we are laying story track for the reveal that Sharon is the power broker, this is a key scene as opposed to what it appears to be, which is, hey, I'm stuck in the writing room. How do we... How do we tic-tac-toe? Oh, wait, call Sharon up. She's got access to a thing. Um, again, it could go either way. If Sharon is... This is not... I'm not going to hang this scene as proof... Or I'm not going to hang the, the theory on this scene as proof that Sharon is the power broker. But this is either a little bit of exposition and a little bit of story business in order to give them extra info from a lady who sits in front of a screen. Or it's Sam saying, hey, I'm still looking for Carly. And Sharon's like, great, let me help you find Carly, because that's a really important thing to me, the power broker as well. There's also the line that Madripoor is about to get real nasty, which is not contextualized. Why? Because a guy is mad that he doesn't have what he wants. I wasn't quite sure what was going on there. Uh, but their, uh, you know, communion in terms of looking after Carly, uh, leads to Carly in a graveyard here where they move a stone back and reveal a fanny pack filled with the blue vials that, uh, of course are the super serum, um, the rhetorical discussion of whether they're making a mistake by making more of them. And then the gentleman who will meet his fate at the end of the episode, uh, he explains that his grandfather Lucas was a world war II resistant fighter who uh, says that when you do something that makes you scared, it's probably the right thing. And Oh, he fought nazis not our friends matt <laughs> very true very true uh well bucky the... said it earlier avengers friends <laughs> not our friends nazis there you go um the, the man also says that he was a captain america fan uh and carly makes him uh believe that she can be the leader who understands their pain you know captain america the the symbol the hero the leader of one age and carly now um, a spiritual successor. The story moves to the street where Walker and Hoskins are unhappy that Zemo is out. Uh, there's a lot of yelling on Walker's behalf uh, directed towards Sam and Bucky. Uh, nonetheless, they're headed to the funeral. Walker wants to get there fast, uh, but Sam would prefer to talk. Uh, it's reminded that if, uh, if he goes in hot, indeed of all the guys going hot, people may die. We get the reminder that Sam used to counsel soldiers. Hoskin thinks that talking her down could be worth a try. Um, we see Zemo's associate, the little girl, is up ahead. He gives her some money and asks to be shown the way toward the funeral. And Pete, ultimately, my takeaway for this scene, Walker is indignant that you actually have to do some footwork on this job. And arrogant, too. And Hoskins, the, the better angel, 
also uh, able to tamp him down and obviously key to what will go on later. So we are uh, front-loading for future developments here. Um, they head into another building. There are gas dials and furnaces that, again, kind of felt like, all right, is this little girl going to double-cross them? Uh, like when people were disappearing behind doors in the building before. Uh, Walker cuffs Zemo to a furnace. Uh, Sam is given maybe 10 minutes because he doesn't quite get the 10 minutes because then John Walker's going to do things his way. Listen, Pete, John Walker just needs to find some of those extra minutes and they're filming partially in Georgia. Georgia's the place to find extra numbers when you need them. That's all I'm going to say. Um, cut to the funeral where Carly gives a rousing speech about the kindness of Donya Madani. Uh, she wraps it up when she sees Sam up above. Um, she reminds everyone that they must do for each other, uh, or, or you know that this group must do for each other because the they won't. They who impose struggle and hardship and label us criminals. We get the reminder that we are one world, one people. A people. Uh, get a quick cut in there of Walker getting further impatient that time moves at a linear pace. Uh, back to after the funeral. Sam walks in. He says he's alone and wants to talk. He understands Carly and her frustration and helplessness. She wonders if she's making the world a better place. And he says that if she's killing, it's not better. It's just different. Pete, that's a simple line there. But I think it's one that's going to circle back to us in the real world at various points. You know, it's not better. It's just different. Uh, the notion here that it being different and not better means there's not actually change. Done in the shadow of Mama Donya here, this Mother Teresa-esque character who provided succor to strangers that built this support system that is effectively responsible for the Flag Smashers' misguided ways. Um, really effective scene blocked in two pieces you mentioned the walker impatience before um we have him looking down at his shield um we have the uh um, what was he doing there too he was uh he tells uh bucky not to patronize him Okay, uh, we get the clock, we get his face, we get a lot of angles, and then with Bucky's hand on his chest, we get his head up, very reminiscent of blocking between Steve and Bucky at times in their past. Walker is also angry that Bucky has the super soldier serum in his veins, uh, asking the question, is Bucky doing right by his partner? Um Pete, this is an effective scene to make us continue to dislike Walker. However, I think we can understand his motivations, um, at least within the scene. Uh, the story goes back to Sam, who notes that, uh, that she has been called a supremacist. Uh, Carly says no, that she's fighting against the beast and corporations that are running things. Yes, yes, she's ready to kill again, but, well, not like kill like that. Uh, somehow you tricked you, me. You tricked her, Matt. Yes. 
Um, Sam says that he agrees with her fight, just not her method. With that, time is up, uh, or not up, depending on your perspective. Walker bursts on in. Uh, Carly thinks that this was a trick. She's on the super run, you know, what with the jumps up to another level and down again and so forth. Uh, Bucky follows. And meanwhile, Pete, back at the furnace thing, we see the solitary hanging handcuff because Zemo is free. Yeah, uh, and that tracks. That's not story foul. The idea that somebody as dangerous as Baron Zemo could uh, slip a pair of handcuffs makes sense. Um, But we've got uh, Carly uh, through the maze here, uh, shedding Sam and Bucky, who is found by Zemo, who shoots at her, hits her. The vials are on the floor. She's got an abdomen wound. There are eight vials. uh, And this is an important moment where we test whether Zemo is a hypocrite or not. Because he's got one in his hands, and we were all thinking it. Would he take it? Would he use it? I think there's a different test going on, too. Is Zemo out to kill for the sake of killing or revenge or whatever, or is he sticking to his plan? Um, The conclusion to your point and my point is the same. He's not there to take the serum. He's not there to kill her because she's bad or the villain or he's got, you know, bloodlust or whatever. Uh, He's happy enough for her to run off as he smashes all the vials. Oh, wait, one rolled away that he misses. Um... Uh, or maybe he would have gotten to it in time, but of course he gets a shield to the head. Uh, there, there is that one vial left, and Walker notices it. Pete, rather like a golem to the ring. Now that's a reference to yeah. a book and movie series that you don't care for, but uh, he pockets the serum just before Sam, Bucky, and Hoskins arrive. Of course he does there. The eyes, the the tilt of his head, the, the placing in his pocket... Uh, elsewhere, Carly has the wounds uh, patched up there, but the vials have been destroyed. They waited too long. Um, and she, along with our fated compatriot there, discuss that uh, what were the chances they'd all be assigned to the same quarter. These are people that she would have been taught to hate elsewhere. Couldn't help but feel like they were chosen she just wishes there was a dozen more of them. Their other associate comes in here to uh, basically give us the recap that they can't function on their heels, uh, that uh, they have to face uh, their their uh, followers, including uh, Sam Wilson. But ding, it is the power broker on the power broker line there and we're read a message from the power broker that says that she is playing Carly is revolutionary on borrowed time uh, that he wants the serum back uh, or he will find and end her and uh, the other uh, gentleman with the beard there says they can't fight two wars and win uh, they will deal with the power broker when the time comes, probably in the last two episodes, right, Matt? Uh, they know a way, she knows a way to deal with Sam without a direct fight. 
They're going to separate them. Huh. Somebody else had that plan before. And then they will kill Captain America. Back at the Z-pad, Sam texts Sharon. uh, And Zemo wonders if Sam was ever offered the serum. Uh, Sam immediately says that he wouldn't have taken uh, it if offered to Zemo. That is good. Sam reminds him that blood is not always the solution, of course. Bucky returns, worried about Walker and his increasingly crazy behavior. Uh, With that right on cue, Walker arrives, ordering Zemo to be turned over. Uh, Sam gives the wonderful line, shield or no shield, the only thing you're running is your mouth. Um, Indeed, Pete, I almost feel like the line is so good that that the edit might have underplayed it, or you could have gotten some, you know, dun-dun-dun music from it, but... uh, well, it is what it is. Walker is ready to fight him. He's going to put down his shield to make it easy. Uh, but with that, the Dora Milaje are there. Time is up. Pete, eight hours goes by so quickly. Walker introduces himself and gets no response. He tells the Dora that they have no uh, no jurisdiction here. Uh, and again, another great line that the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje are. Pete, I think we can all agree with that. There's there's no complaint here. There's no argument. Uh, there are no uh, uh, vibranium spears at my back. I'm saying this of my own free will. Having gotten off on the wrong foot, he decides to put the wrong hand on the wrong shoulder, Matt, which kicks off uh, a really, really well done and powerful fight here. Uh, I love the IO spin in midair with the spear there um the grabbing for the shield uh the the use of the spears the uh the way that walker had downplayed them uh of course we know their uh vibranium you would imagine he would as well uh but yeah the arrogant sometimes they don't know everything they think they do we, of course, have Zemo watching along, sipping his brown liquor. Uh, there is also the the uh, the wondering from Sam, you know, should he and Bucky step in, help somehow? Bucky says, uh, John is looking strong. Um, ultimately, we have, uh, we have him jumping in when Io goes for the kill shot there. Uh, Sam helps out too. And with all of this chaos, with now all the players minus Zemo, uh, involved in the fight. Zemo goes for a walk. Uh, not immediately clear that he's headed to the bathroom, although we'll see soon enough that he's headed uh, not for the toilet, not for the bath, but for the uh, the sewer entrance right near that uh, that stately bath. Um, Io starts to wrap up things for the fight here as she, you know, taps and taps again and deactivates Bucky's arm. Um, Dosvidanya James... Uh, Walker is uh, bested by a spear. Uh, I love how, too, there's this expert throw of the spear that goes through the handles of the shield. So the shield is inaccessible. His arm is inaccessible. No blood is spilled, nonetheless. Um, And Walker, of course, ends up on the floor, handed his shield by one of the Dora Milaje. And uh, the fight over here. Bucky puts his arm back on. Walker is crestfallen, beaten by foes, uh, or to, to go into Walker's mindset for a second, perhaps women, um, but regardless, beaten by people who weren't even super soldiers. Ugh. It's such a boo-hoo moment for him, isn't it? Sam even gives him that look 
but they can't believe that Zemo has pulled an El Chapo here. Uh, we cut to a scene in a long cafe type of setting here. We've got Walker and Hoskins in their civvies. And uh, Hoskins points out that it's not all bad, that the serum and its source are gone. Uh, Walker is approached for an autograph. Interestingly, Hoskins, not. He even does a little Battlestar logo when he's asked to do one. Um, And at this point, Walker asks Hoskins, as his conscience, as his sounding board, his friend, if he would take the serum. Hells yeah, says Hoskins. Power just makes a person more of themselves, right? This is the thesis. Back to Dr. Erskine, Matt, that, you know, a powerful soldier, it would just bring out more of that. But uh, a good man, Steve Rogers, more of that just made him stronger and made him respect that strength. Um, It's this thesis that's ultimately going to be tested by the end of the episode. However, uh, we know that the three medals of honor, apparently all for one incident, one day in Afghanistan. I'm not quite sure if that's the case, but that's what the, the story sells here. Um, that uh, reminders for Walker of the worst day of his life um, and that uh, the the medals uh, for what they did that day, they, uh, you know, what they did that day feeling a long way from being right, that being Captain America is the first chance to do something uh, to feel right. Um, but Hoskins says they would have saved lives that day if they had had the serum. Pete, I thought I understood this scene just fine as giving some background on Walker, uh, on uh, Lamar Hoskins being the the uh, angel of better virtue in relation to John Walker. Uh, have to mention, uh, there's a great article on the Hollywood Reporter website by Richard Newby, uh, which I have linked in the description, that's uh, entitled The Falcon and the Winter Soldier Explores a Tragic Truth About America. Um, and it gave me a new perspective to consider for this scene, the notion that uh, the new Captain America, Captain America and Battlestar are doing the same work, uh, but Lamar Hoskins is not getting the same recognition uh, how that's reflective of, uh, you know, uh, all too often an African-American experience, the experience of people of color and so forth. Um, and and the article is great. I've linked to it in the podcast description. Um, it also brought up uh, a connection that I had not made, um, which is that, uh, you know, there had been reference a number of episodes ago to it would have been great for Walker, if he had, um, if he had Sam Wilson as his wingman, and just this notion that, the, the notion that the powers that be, not necessarily behind the show, because I think they're aware of the, the, they're aware of the discussion that they're having somewhat behind the scenes uh, for this show, but 
the notion that the people running the Captain America program uh, within the you know within the in-store universe that it's really good optics to have Battlestar to have Lamar Hoskins as Battlestar and, and things of that sort and it it this article helped me reevaluate this scene obviously we kind of get more we get more of the approaching of the issue of um you know racial perspectives and so forth later in the episode i don't think it's very it's not as clearly on the top of the the surface of the story the way the baltimore pd scene was a couple of episodes ago but really really stellar article that i wanted to uh, wanted to point out and just a uh, a welcome perspective there by mr newbie I mean, what does the story tell us by the end of this episode? It's not enough to have the the friend of color, okay? You have to act in their interest, not just alongside their interest. Um, the, the subject of partnership that comes up repeatedly in this episode, Bucky swearing off that he's not Sam's partner, um, but Walker, uh, you know, drawing the comparison here with Hoskins and, you know, supremacy versus equality. And there's not an equal footed standing between Captain America and Battlestar. And it's illustrated through, you know, everything of the signing of an autograph to what ultimately goes on. In Delacroix, uh, Sarah answers a call from Carly. Uh, Sarah, of course, knows the name, Carly Morgenthau. Uh, and does Carly need to kill her brother uh, is the, the, the question floated here. Uh, but, of course, Sarah is disenfranchised as well, saying that Captain America, John Walker, isn't her mascot. It's not reflecting her America. Uh, Carly is going to send Sarah coordinates so that she can meet up with Sam. You know, and if it goes bad, Carly can meet with Sarah and AJ and Cass, maybe out back by the dock, click. Um, so Pete, I know why I spent some time last podcast saying, look, they've completely subverted expectations. Carly, not that bad. Okay, there kind of was the GRC bombing, but Carly, maybe not as bad. No, this is a reminder too that I don't think Carly comes out of this Carly does not come out of this as the hero or the anti-hero that Zemo may and that sort of thing. Carly's now threatening the lives of, you know, the, the innocent Sarah and her children. Um, this gets, of course, related to Sam, who's given the message. He tells his sister to pack an overnight bag and go somewhere safe. Uh, Pete, maybe I'm going to hand out a third story yellow card here carly had said that she was going to send coordinates but sam instead receives a text from an unknown number telling him just like let's meet at this such and such place which isn't exactly the same as like you know latitude and longitude but uh a small criticism here certainly still gets them where they need to be where uh both sam and bucky show up in their gear uh carly says that he would never he that she would never hurt sam's uh sister she just wanted to understand him better uh she sees of course he did not come alone um and that uh they don't need to hide behind a shield here uh because if she kills them it would be meaningless um she was going to ask Sam to join her. 
uh, or to let her go. And this is an interesting distinction here. Um, She would kill Sam. She could kill Sam. She might be interested to kill Sam, um, but she's not not because she wants to preserve life or and so forth. It would just be meaningless, um, which, I don't know, maybe the episode glosses over a bit too quickly, although I think we've proven the point in the earlier post-funeral scene that, you know, she's ready to kill, just not, don't, I didn't mean to say I was going to kill, you know, that kind of thing where, you know, she really is misguided. She really is, re- you know, like, if if the symbol of, the death of Falcon, the death of an Avenger, whatever, if that would somehow have meaning to advance her cause, she'd be prepared to to do it or to attempt to do it in a second. That's almost a, a, a cold calculation that is almost more villainous than everything we've seen thus far in these episodes. In Madripoor, Sharon is at the bar there with a device uh, and the tracker. She radios Sam that the... Uh, tracker 01 this is uh believed to be john walker that uh new cap is moving everybody jumps at the same time carly got her mask on really quick there sam flies up and out and uh he's gonna send bucky the location we get walker entering a building shades of steve rogers with the shield and the gun drawn back in the day in world war ii and there's some immediate subtle signs he's taken the serum he's hearing things the way that it's shot gives you a little bit of eeriness and suddenly lamar isn't answering he finds his gun there and then straight up runs through a door then he hears a door close far away uh so we have hoskins knocked out tied up there's a great shot through a scratched out window the other side of walker change matt metaphor even drax would pick it up uh and then he's attacked with a knife and throws the shield through a wall and you know through a wall uh to to a superhuman degree he pulls it out clearly is amped up um i'll reiterate what you just said that it's it, look it's obvious enough if you're looking forward or if you have the suspicion there's enough evidence here to say he's taken the serum but i think if you're not playing along at home then increasingly you're kind of queuing into this even before we get in a little bit you know the the telltale the 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 pipe is bent because he has super super strength it, it's a nice um kind of ramp up to it we cut to bucky who's on the super run sam is flying in as well uh, Sam sees that Walker has superpowers now, and both are trying to find Hoskins. Uh, indeed, we cut to Hoskins, who is bound uh, but cutting his way out. Uh, Bucky is en route to help him, but is attacked by a flag smasher. Uh, ultimately, they end up in an atrium. Walker and Sam do. Attacked by two more. Intercut, we have Hoskins freeing himself. Bucky arrives at the fight. The, the soldiers, the super soldiers, mostly bested. Still, Walker is being held back, and Carly is going in for a kill with uh, with a knife, but Hoskins stops her. He gets slammed to a stone pillar to it, breaking it. Pete, that's some unfortunate story code there for serious business for somebody who's not a super soldier. Uh, he's unresponsive. 
I like that the moment is kind of held for tension for a couple of seconds, but then it is clear, uh, most unfortunately, that Lamar Hoskins is dead. We have the blood visible behind the uh, helmet, the left side of the head near the sideburn on uh, Walker, which is interesting and it continues to grow here uh, through this scene and the, the following. Um, after the mournful moment there, jumps out the window onto a van. Uh, he's chasing down the former Captain America fan, who's definitely not a fan of this Captain America, and going to be less so in a moment. Um, he's uh, tripped up near a fountain. He falls down, tells him, uh, tells Walker wasn't him, uh, but people have their phones out because hey oh it's that guy i saw on the news that's the new captain oh my god what is he doing uh and the the what is he doing is is you know having the man uh cornered on the steps of this uh this statue here takes out his shield beating him to death with that shield this time there's no disney prohibition on blood as the crowd watches records and indeed shares the new visage of Captain America. What's in your notebook about this episode? Pete, let's return back to this idea here with two episodes to go. I mean, clearly Walker in a in a descending trajectory. Is there hope for some sort of redemption on some level for Carly? It's a really interesting question having a character like Bucky with what he's done in his life has to open up a path of redemption for potentially any character I think here's where that cuts off there is no worldwide uh, video in real time of the Winter Soldier murdering anyone with perhaps the greatest symbol in this uh, connected universe. So that tells me that if Walker is to live, um, he is going to be embarrassed. He is going to be diminished. Could he atone and come back? Again, Bucky shows a way forward. Will he get it? I don't think so. I think they're setting Carly up with the looming power breaker in a sacrificial sense. Um, the connection back to this Mama Danya and the way that she shepherded lost souls, Carly pointing out that she doesn't remember her mom or her dad or her siblings or grandparents or cousins that she just keeps Mama Donia uh, and, you know, the feeling of, of helping her not be alone anymore. Um, I think they're setting up a sacrifice there for her. Uh, does that ultimately redeem her? It, it doesn't bring lives back. It's not as if people didn't die when, you know, Steve Rogers was, was doing the job. Okay, we all know about the events of 
Captain America Civil War, what was blamed on the Avengers and what brought the Wakandans into uh, the, the larger universe initially there. Um, but it, it sets up these very interesting questions with these two characters. I mean, the, the low angle shot that they give you of Walker with the blood on the shield, that is going to be very, very difficult to overcome. You could completely see this next episode opening up with shame in Latvia. Well, I think that's an interesting, that's an interesting um, possible future for the show. I know that we've discussed in the podcast and the, the aforementioned Hollywood Reporter article notes as well um, that in the world of this show and basically in the MCU in general, uh, you know, big government equals bad, it equals untrustworthy and so forth. Um, so does the story take some time next week? It Does the story open with, you know, the breaking news... Um, reaction to what walker has done like is he quickly condemned by condemned in the media is he quickly condemned by the united states government who has christened him and so forth um or do we just keep things a bit more intimate in terms of focusing on our main characters uh and so forth i'll mention by the way there's there's a famous um comic panel of uh of it's John Walker, either as U.S. agent or as Captain America, but kind of you know crazy, bug-eyed, slamming the shield mm-hmm. down. Um, and it was only on the second viewing that I noticed there's a brief shot that I think meant to mimic that in his in his attack scene. To their credit, they kind of didn't linger on it the way they did with the the Civil War. You know, oh, they're going for the Civil War panel where the you know Tony Stark's shot is being uh, you, you know glanced off the shield and so forth. Um, Indeed, Pete, looking ahead to next episode, you had mentioned the Wakandans. Two-part question here. Do we get a return to Wakanda? Do we get Wakandan characters returning? And with word of a heartbreaking uh, cameo or surprise appearance next week, can it be something that indeed will break all our hearts if that character shows up, if that actor shows up? I don't think we're going to get Chadwick Boseman. It's not because this was completed, uh, you know, before or around the time of his death. Um, I just don't think that's in the cards here. Um, I, I think there's the potential for two cameos. The, the one that there's a lot of buzz about right now is a female character, a blonde uh, scene near filming um, not seen to this point there's a lot of evidence that points to uh, Florence Pugh's character from the Black Widow film whether or not that's the case remains to be seen Matt if only there was a character who could come forward after this complete embarrassment and this miscarriage of justice using this tremendous symbol to come forth and really kind of bring some calm as an elder statesman. Uh, I mean, you mentioned elder. Are you possibly referring to elder Steve Rogers? I think it would make a lot of sense if he showed up in the story. Um, You know, we've pointed to 
and and it's the way it's going to happen that Sam will become Captain America that that would be the the final episode of this season if indeed this series is to run more than one season but does that have to happen in six could he come forward in five and you know somehow hasten that give me back my shield uh you know come forth and obviously condemn that action this isn't what i stood for this isn't what america the world will tolerate out of our captain america um and again not as if steve rogers wasn't ever on video when bad stuff happened you know we go back again to you know lagos in nigeria we go to sokovia um you know there were casualties there was collateral damage that was the whole argument about where zemo's coming from that you know should superheroes be allowed to proliferate innocents die but uh you know the the lesson you learn from that and being able to come forth the the shield as a symbol so effectively used throughout this series to this point and the the takeaway image that's just seared in your brain of the blood all over it you know there's a time for disney to put aside its standards and you know oh we can have a really rough fight you know the the one in the cargo containers last week really pretty brutal and and you know jarringly presented in a way that we know wow sharon carter can really fight um but here to just stomp a man out with that vibranium object in the streets fully aware that the world is watching um somebody's got to come forward and urge some kind of calm could it be uh chris evans remains to be seen we had received through facebook actually a question um is steve rogers dead or alive um and again we don't have the the definitive in canon uh hey he is dead to the world and privately alive to sam and bucky i have to imagine that's perhaps the way they've sold it oh he was lost in the events of the battle of the avengers compound against thanos or you know have they sold some kind of retirement story we're not told um i don't think that he's dead uh and if he's regarded by the rest of the world as being dead maybe this is the type of thing that that draws him out to be able to say you know what we need to take that shield away from him i gave it to sam let's give it back to sam it's gonna be hard for sam to accept this with the blood on it yes you can clean it off but can you clean it off i know i saw repeated a number of times on social media uh, on the heels of this episode the statement uh the unironic statement um steve rogers is the only captain america i will ever accept and things of that sort and look on the heels of john walker's actions in this episode i i hear you but I worry that some people, some audience members, might be losing sight of the fact 
that there's a logical endpoint to this season, which is Sam Wilson representing, uh, representing so much, representing his country, etc., uh, etc., et as the new, the the true new Captain America. Um, now to have Steve Rogers return and and be this elder statesman, this guiding voice, and so forth, I think would be powerful within the world of the story. Outside of the story, to have Steve Rogers give society, give Sam Wilson permission, public permission, to ascend to this uh, highest of superhero offices, if you will, I think in a writing room, that's a discussion where you have to either thread that needle or leave it aside, or whatever it is, I think it's slightly problematic to say, once... Once old man Steve Rogers gives permission, then it's okay. Uh, can it be done story-wise? It absolutely can. Um, could you think? Um, could you think of scenarios where where there could be a real-world analog to that? And sometimes in the real world, you do need to have the old guard passing it on to the new guard, even if it is representing a, a seismic and important change. Yes, um, but I think. I think it's a juicy prospect to say, hey, you know, we we got Chris Evans back for a boatload of money or, you know, we secretly had a thing in his last contract, you know, whatever it is money-wise. Hey, we have Chris Evans back in the makeup, in the de-aging uh, computer program and so forth to really put a stamp on things. And also, to be fair, to answer the question, where is Steve Rogers? A question that not only do we ask ourselves, but also a question the show has asked. Right, the show easily could have said, "Oh man, you know, uh, back in uh, was it Tunisia? You know, oh man, Sam, you know, you all look so sad at Steve's funeral. Oh, right. then you go, okay, I know you're not going to shoot it because you don't want to get uh, Ruffalo and the thing, and you don't want to how do you get Evangeline? Lilla? But hey, there was a funeral in our imagination. No, instead, where is Steve Rogers? Is he on the moon? Is he this? Oh, no comment, no answer. Ha ha. Um, so we we have that potential setup." Could it be landed this season? It could, just landed with care and caution. There had been that rumor back in the fall that Chris Evans was going to reprise the role. So there's that. It is problematic, though. Um, like you said, the idea that you know he would come forward and be the one to give the shield again to Sam when he already had. I think a very real question, Matt, is can the S.H.I.E.L.D. survive this? I don't think there was anybody when the other of the Adora Milaje uh, grabbed the S.H.I.E.L.D. With the, with the kick lift there that would have had a problem with them saying, you know what, this is Vibranium and belongs to Wakanda and you guys ain't doing it right. So... We're taking our shield and going home. Uh, I think I think that that would have been. Um, I think we would have accepted that within the bounds of the story. I think it would have led to a different, uh, a slightly different story. Um, if you want to explain away the absence of what you're proposing, as uh, yes, Wakanda is now kind of more open, but still there's that instinct of like, uh, all right, we gave you a thing back to the back to the more secretive Wakanda or that's kind of, that's the default setting. Um, I'll mention another take on that scene too. 
I don't know that we look at this show as science fiction. I mean, yes, there's kind of, you know, rocket wings and there's a robot arm, but it's kind of, you know, this is far from, um, you know, Twilight Zone is going to have a, uh, a, a fresh and serious look at uh, the post-Holocaust world by, by having a ghostly tale at a concentration camp. Okay, super, super serious. You understand what you're talking about. Or, you know, the famous Star Trek episode, you know, we're going to talk about uh, race with black on the left side of the face and white on the right. And when it's different, that's, you know, that that's considered to be a, a different race and so forth. Um, again, I don't think that we bring those sci-fi tools to this show. But we have in this episode that there's obviously the reflection on kind of the role of America and, and a certain kind of uh, male indeed white male machismo and all that you just know that walker is upset that these powerful black women who aren't super soldiers that they bested him Mm -hmm. um and i think the show is better to not make him say you so-and-sos and 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 to really bring a, a race or a uh or a gender discussion to the surface Uh, i think that's just not marvel's jam i think that marvel is happy to take just one step back into the world of story again in other stories we might call it in in the visage of sci-fi but to just take one step back and and again what you know like the like the scene that we discussed earlier with with hoskins not getting the interview request it's like you can start to see what they're talking you can start to see the subtext here without it um without it going in a direction that I think Marvel doesn't want it to go. And again, I'm not here to say they should be more out front or they should hold back with a discussion about race or gender or so forth. It, it, Marvel's making these decisions to take it to, to, to take it one step back into the shadows a bit. Um, but nonetheless, you know that Walker says those words in private, right? I think you meant uh, autograph, not interview with Hoskins there. The thing with Walker is that there's no growth from that moment. What is it? Well, I got beat by people who weren't even super soldiers, so I have to become a super soldier so that I can even stand a chance against people who aren't super soldiers, let alone super soldiers. It's not be better. It's find the shortest possible route to having an upper hand, which is not growth. Um, It's a shortcut. And it's not going to work out in the long run. It, it didn't even work out in the short run here. One wonders, and I don't think we'll begin immediately after that scene or even at that scene in the next episode. But what wonders, like, what happens next there? You know, are there the memer, memer sirens and somebody comes along? Does he run off? Does he come to some sort of shameful realization of what he's done? Hand over the shield? I I don't know that that that's likely. Um, I think a very real question, too, is was this Zemo's plan to let Walker get the serum? Yes, he's stomping them and throwing the, the vials, but there's that one that gets away. And it's the last one. And of course, Walker gets it and he takes it. We never saw if his veins caught fire like happened with Carly. Um, but clearly it jacked him up emotionally. It's increased his strength. It's increased his senses. 
possibly increased his anger. Again, that idea of magnifying whatever lies underneath. I think that if uh, is if Zemo had thirty more seconds when he got done with the catharsis of smashing the vials, he then would have taken a deep breath and said, "Eins, zwei, drei." Wait a minute, there aren't enough. How there's supposed to be a certain number? His, his smart brain would have calculated. And he would have quickly looked around and found it. Um, I think that as calculating as Zemo can be, he's always been headed straight to the center of the target, which is. Uh, when it comes to the super soldier serum to end it all right um so i think that he would he would have smashed it without a without a concern now is he in the wind now is he going to find out pretty quickly hey the last serum clearly has been taken so now you don't need to worry about it spreading you don't need to potentially worry about further you don't need to worry about short-term science um because you know the the doctor from last episode is gone and whatnot um Maybe, Pete, that spells a situation where because it's in John Walker's blood, does he need to be taken off of the the story chessboard? Does, at least, does Zemo view it as such? Um, it would give us an opportunity for our, our anti-hero to go up against our villain. Um, and again, with only two episodes left, it's not too early to be thinking about, uh, no pun intended, the end game for this season because uh, we only got what we got left. Are they going to let Walker become U.S. agent? Are they going to let him operate in the shadows because of what's gone on here? I mean, yes, three-time Medal of Honor winner, but now this disgrace uh, part of Zemo's plan, just an unexpected outcome, remains to be seen. Um, How is the power broker going to end these super soldiers? So we've seen one definitively killed believe another to have been killed back in episode two when uh uh he he was sent by carly uh to to buy them time so that they could get away in the plane um but how's the power broker gonna gonna end super soldiers pete do we know that the power broker wants to end the super soldier program i mean they're now uh, the 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 doctor in the last episode was of course employed by the power broker so could it be that when there was more serum uh the the flag smashers that were that were juiced up were extraneous could it be now that those who remain are all the more valuable to the power broker because all right fine you lost the one science guy who can't science his science but Get your own get your own blood source, just as the U.S. did um, with Isaiah. So, I mean, ultimately, is is one of the one or more of the flag smashers destined for a similar uh, containment and, and being poked and prodded by the forces of bad? I mean, there's there's definitely that out there as well. All right, Matt, let's really dig into this. Is Sharon Carter? actually a carter uh why why wouldn't she be a carter oh because uh peggy had all those conversations with uh steve about her niece who yeah though she was undercover uh was the one living across the hall from him and uh then she gives the big speech at the funeral 
wouldn't take a lot for her to potentially be impersonating a Carter family member, would it? Um, I think that might be outside the scope of the story, just relative to how long Emily Van Camp has been in the MCU, albeit not in a tremendous number of scenes. But I feel like if we get the sudden reveal, that would feel that would feel like a story foul. Um, couldn't asterisk be that more recently she was replaced by a scroll as we look ahead to Secret Invasion and uh and and whatnot maybe but you know pete i was i was shocked to learn in the last week that emily van camp has been on a fox medical drama for the last four years as this show uh, approaches 70 episodes um which is a long way of saying it's great that she's in these episodes apparently the the show that she's on which i think is called the resident um it's great that they were kind enough to share her, to share her schedule and whatnot while the show was filming in um, in Georgia and so forth. Um, again, just kind of the point being, do we have lots and lots of Emily Van Camp ahead of us in the future? Maybe not, since there's this this, this uh, friendly sharing of her, of her time and whatnot. Um, so again, with a limited amount of scenes that she's going to be getting, let's say for this season, and potentially you look ahead... I don't know what the prospect is for that other that Fox show moving forward. I don't know when Falcon season two goes into production, but I don't think that at this moment you can say, "Oh, we'll just get Emily for you know for any fifteen week block, six seven day weeks, whatever we need, she's there." That's not the case. So I, I would just say with limited scenes, that might limit the number of story twists and turns that the character is available for. Maybe. Well, so many people have brought up, you know, would Peggy Carter's niece become the power broker if it's been a ruse uh whether you know she's uh created some false identity or as you mentioned she's been replaced um i think both could work it's going to be interesting again to see how that will be resolved last one from me matt sarah and the boys in jeopardy we have uh footage of sam in Delacroix with the shield two episodes left somebody's going after them right maybe although I I I think you can hide a lot of stuff off screen with the line you know get somewhere safe use only cash if the next time we see Sarah and the boys is after Sam has finished his uh, his shield practice in Louisiana and Sarah's car pulls on in and cut to slight slow motion and happy music and there's hugging and whatnot, then fine, she will have gotten to somewhere safe and was not tracked and everything was good. Um, I, I literally cannot consider as a reasonable story outcome that Carly's folks are going to get to Sarah and the boys and actually do harm to them. To me, that's just that's just out of character of this show and, and this brand and so forth. Um, however, could what brings Sam back be the threat to family? Um, it certainly could. Open your flip phones and share your thoughts with us. Pete, first bit of feedback here comes from Twitter, the, uh, the requisite Fantastic Geek 
poll. Uh, how many shields would you give the episode? One shield sad got 1.6%. Two shields satisfied got 3.2%. Three shields super got 14.3%. And four shields stellar got 81%. Uh, and then some Twitter replies here. First one up, fittingly, Pete, just the way the stack is here. Fittingly from Captain Noel Gardner. So much to unpack. Sebastian Stan's acting in the first scene was phenomenal. Uh, Pete, she spells phenomenal with a PH, probably because that's how you spell it, not because <laughs> it's a Fantastic Eve reference. But, you know, it, it's subject to, uh, to interpretation here. The power broker is really going to be pissed now that the serum is all gone. Does that line bootleg cap up to the next subject? I'm still not sure what Sharon is up to. Uh, Noel goes on to say, I love that we got to see Sam in counselor mode. He was making headway with Carly until lack of impulse control busted in. I want to feel for Carly, but she keeps going a few steps over the line. Zemo is just pure chaos. He really gave kids candy for intel. Stranger danger. Watching the Dormelage handle Walker so easily was top-notch entertainment. Even better was Bucky standing by and watching. Of course, John took the serum. He's been five steps behind everyone the whole time. But as we see, it only makes things worse. Uh, worse. Lastly, the somber credits music reminded me of the silent countdown on 24 when a notable character would die. Great observation there, Pete, that they didn't go with rousing theme, but instead made us kind of sit and reflect uh, on, on the negati negativity of it all, the music oddly deflating in the best sense possible. Yeah, you got to observe the tone there. I would have been deaf to do the soaring, uh, you know, action theme. Uh, some more tweets here. First one from JT Atkins. Is that JTA is me? Excellent episode. Is it uh, next week yet? Foreshadowing uh, that Zemo can't be trusted. He used Turkish delight to lure children. Who else does that in fiction? Oh, that's right. The White Witch in the Chronicles of Narnia. We heard from Hail Hydra. That's at Hydra underscore lives. John Walker in the Cap'n Murica uh, uniform is the a-hole American tourist stereotype we all hate. His toxic masculinity response to getting beat up by a non-powered woman is to take the serum and overreact when he loses a soldier and uh, soil the shield for the world to see. Hashtag not my cap. We also heard from LMD Mary, that is, of course, at Geek Kirk, Mary Kirk. Uh, the John Walker turn was 100% foreseeable, even if you don't know the comics, but the execution was masterful and flawless. Uh, next up is J. Philly B, that's at J. Philly B for Fandom. That ending, holy motherforking shirt balls. We knew this turn was coming, but wow. Like how Not My Cap was a bit jittery at the start of the final fight. Enough of a hint to know he was juiced, but still no way to anticipate the Bloody Shield ending. But the buildup uh, to that moment throughout the episode was skillfully done. Not My Cap is not a man who's been told no or lost a fight, and the pressure was too much for him. The wrong man for the job and the wrong man for the serum. Heightening the differences between him and Sam, I think they showed it very well and maybe uh, didn't need to have the characters keep saying it out loud. As for the rest, loved the overhead shot of the scene between Bucky and Io standing on opposite sides of a literal line in the road. And Sharon invoking the power broker and being their eye in the sky, I like the idea of her being the power broker more and more. Getting Sam's sister involved and bringing the story back around to the beginning can only mean Yuri finding out about Bucky 
is coming soon. Ooh, good catch there. Uh, but first, what will the footage of Not My Cap's bloody shield, uh, maybe side by side with the footage of the bar fight in Madripoor, do to bolster Car- Carly's support and escalate the fight going into the finale? And will there even be an admission by TPTD uh, that they chose the wrong man to carry the shield? So, Pete, your thoughts there. Is this how Yuri comes back into the story, which is a, a thread I must admit I had lost sight of? I don't think uh, directly here. I, I think it's going to be Zemo somehow getting word to uh, Yuri about uh, Bucky. Uh, some more from the Twitter machine here. At BikeBRH says, uh, four stars, best episode so far. You knew that when Walker was so distraught about getting pantsed by the Doras, <laughs> uh, well said, BikeBRH, uh, that he was going to blow soon. He's been showing increasing signs of PTSD or some other issue almost from the beginning, but he was super twitchy all this episode. Uh, next up is Ben Larson at Larson Ben. The final shot of Walker holding the bloody shield might be the most disturbing image in all of the MCU, and it cements Walker's status as the villain. There's no redeeming yourself after using Captain America's shield to murder someone. Uh, we also heard from Andre Yeager. That's at Doctor Polo 1983. Um, Lieutenant America has now made a full heel turn. Nothing good can come from a bloody shield being shared on every Instagram account in the world. The talk between Carly and Sam was great. Showed how much compassion Sam has and tries to solve problems with talking first. The Dora Milaje Milaje fight was epic as always. Loved their explanation of jurisdiction. The final two episodes are going to be fantastic with the ph pete oh yeah i forgot says andre this has to be the bloodiest thing on disney plus they spared no red dye today (laughs) uh we also have uh a tweet from darren bell that's at darren b4605 2059 my favorite with a ph uh episode so far the fight scenes the captain b merica turn and the end scene were so well done still 50 50 on sharon being the power broker Uh, We heard from Zachary Gibson at S-H-M-I-B-S-O-N. Was that the darkest five minutes in the MCU? When Lamar hit the concrete pillar, my wife instantly said, he's dead, but it took me a few moments to believe it. Then Diet Cap bludgeoned a man to death in front of a shocked uh, onlooker. The only thing better than the the recaps of him being a jerk are the the inconsistent yet uh, just... Uh, digging nicknames people have given him. 100%. 100%. So, um, Zachary saying, Die Cap bludgeoning the man in front of shocked onlookers instead of with a bloody shield. One image. Uh, we heard from Spider Ham Lincoln. That's at Tess LC139. This was another great episode. I have a feeling the third act of the series will be the best. The middle two episodes are very good, but will probably be, in my opinion, the weakest of the six. But. <laughs> But what, uh, but what does weak mean when everything is awesome? Uh, the opening scene in Wakanda was perfectly sublime. Sharon kept referring to the power broker as he, so that plot point keeps thickening. Zemo is to be a wonderful, uh, chaotic, neutralish kind of character. I was half expecting him to keep a vial of serum for a rainy day. 
Uh, Mary Kirk had replied to that and said, love the fact that he didn't, and he's 100% committed to his belief. And Pete, last tweet here from Noah that's at Clippers fan. That's one P for Clippers. The episode was a very good episode. I just did not like how the fake Captain America had to kill that person with the real Captain America shield. Now they, now the Captain America is going to be branded as a murderer. I would agree. And I think, again, that's the designed takeaway. On Facebook, Matt Kyle Roath, who earlier had been the one to ask us, uh, is Steve alive? had also written here quite the grim ending to episode four. Whatever happened to no blood on the mouse's clock. The serum may have gotten the best of John Walker. I get his friend just died, but he has smeared the name of the Avengers publicly. And I doubt uh, we'll get, and I don't doubt we'll get court martialed or have some repercussion for killing that flag smasher in the manner that he did. Uh, Carly, it is, uh, is is clearly not as sinister as most other villains in the MCU. Will the season end with her changing her ways? My theory is John Walker won't make it past this season, possibly with him fighting Bucky in the finale or Sam, if he too was also to get a serum. Either way, Bucky is still the most powerful hero there. They are downplaying the capabilities of his vibranium arm. Also, the Dora Milaje will catch up to Zemo faster than we know it. Stay fantastic with the PH, folks. I will potentially disagree with the first point that John Walker uh, will be court-martialed for this. I would, of course, 100% agree it is a court-martialable. It is an offense that can lead to a court-martial. Uh, I think that the story could go in an interesting direction if it's, you know... Oh well, we we need to properly do a thorough review. We are, we're gonna, we're going to do a ninety day reflection panel and get back to you in a later news cycle. I, I, point being, I think that you could paint uh, the people behind Captain America, John Walker. You could paint them with the same the same red bl- uh, brush as Walker is, if that's a direction they want to go. Ian Silverman also messaged us on Facebook. Matt, my thoughts on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode four. The opening flashback scene with Bucky and Io was outstanding. Let's face it, pretty much any of the scenes with any of the Wakandans were pretty great. Not sure if or why it's important, but it's interesting how much the phrase a means to an end has been used throughout the series. I have to say that in the previous episode, as well as this one, there were several instances when I thought the dialogue was a bit clunky. Plus, there was some deus ex machina where our characters just happened to be in the in just the right place to encounter just the right per- person who happens to have just the information or resources they need at just the moment they need it. I get The plot needs to move forward, but some moments just felt a bit too convenient for me. Having said all that, I thought the entire ending sequence was excellent, given the various theories you guys had put out there about a possible heel turn by John Walker. I thought how that actually came about was spot on and totally worked. His frustration and insecurity, now serum enhanced, boiling over after Hoskins was killed. That final shot of him with the bloody shield while the whole world was watching 
was powerful. Lastly, speaking of that final scene, given that you guys had mentioned it in an early episode, earlier episode and predicted that it could be important later, I think we can now think of cell phone cameras as the Chekhov's gun of this show. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to hearing your take on this episode. Stay fantastic with the PH. I would be interested to hear more from Ian, if not next week, then certainly ahead of our season one wrap the first weekend in May. Uh, me personally, at this moment, I'm not seeing the Deus Ex Machina right person at the right time at the right info. Could I have been blinded by a great music moment or, you know, really fun fight or something like that where, you know, it's meant to be sleight of hand. It's meant to pull you in and, and take away from the artifice of story. So I would I would welcome hearing more about uh, about that uh, in the future. Um, Pete, this is an episode where I think many, many MCU kids now no longer want to grow up to be a John Walker. Still, Pete, so many people want to grow up and be a Pete. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter to get that conversation going? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. 11,915 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more! Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, the conversation will continue this time next week. Uh, for the penultimate episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier Season 1. Of course, all of this headed to the Pop Culture Podcast as well, so whether you listen to that catch-all feed, you're listening to us uh, on the FWS feed, uh, we look forward to the two episodes left, at least the two episodes for this season. With that, though, Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. You are free.